Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 946, NFL Week 22. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, recording this late on a Tuesday evening as we approach uh, February 7th of 2024. Um, yeah, we, yes, we already, we're already in February. Um, this is, of course, Super Bowl week. We have a lot, certainly a lot to talk about with the Super Bowl. And already you're seeing Super Bowl caliber type shit happen. Um, you have Patrick Mahomes Sr. getting a D, a D, a DWI. Uh, and you have a shitty practice field for the San Francisco 49ers, which to me makes, like, considering what happened yesterday, last year in Arizona and what in that slick track. Uh, that clearly affected the Eagles last year in last year's game. I, I don't see how this continues to happen if if you're the NFL. I just, I, I just don't understand how a billions, multi-billion dollar corporation can have terrible, can have a bad field at the Super Bowl or a bad field anywhere. I don't care if it was OTAs in July and August. Like it's just like everyone makes too much money for this shit. Like we should not be talking about the field. But we really shouldn't be. 1992, okay. 2024, this conversation, this should not be a conversation. As far as the Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes Sr., you couldn't wait till after the Super Bowl or you don't have someone that, you know, it, it's understandable. Your, your son won the Air Conference Championship. Uh, he's going to another Super Bowl. He's the most famous player in the league right now, the face of the league, the the best quarterback in the world, the best player in the world. So you want to celebrate? I'm I'm all for celebrating, but damn, get a drink. There's, there's a thing called lift. <laughs> like, what are we doing there? And I, it had to be bad because I know, I know the officers is like, come on, come on, man. come on, Patrick, come on, come on, Mr. Mahomes, really, come on, come on. So I bring it up because you know me and Rob Sapp all the time used to talk about. At these games, sometimes these games are lost before you step on the field. You know, Barrett Robbins, um, back in the day with with the Raiders, just disappearing, like literally disappearing before the game and didn't didn't play. He was the All Pro center, and you know, I'm sorry. I mean, that I'm sure that had an effect on the Raiders getting their asses kicked. Besides the fact that Tampa Bay knew all their plays, I mean, Stanley Wilson going back to. The San Francisco Cincinnati Super Bowl, the uh, the first of the back to back for San Francisco in eighty nine and eighty eight, you know that game was a nip and tuck game. I mean, it went down to the last second with uh, the the, the ninety two yard drive, Montana Taylor. Uh, Stanley Wilson was like one of their best players, um, and you know got caught out there, you know, drugged up in a hotel room. And again, that was a very winnable game for Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, for the Bengals back then. So things, these things, you know, Andy Reid a couple of years ago with you know the whole situation with his uh, with his son. Like there's stuff that happens before these games, um, you know, that could you know that can cost you the game in essence before you even step on the field. Distraction, you don't want any unnecessary distractions before the, before this game. This game is now in 2024. It's bigger than ever. It's taking on a life of its own. There's so many 
distractions that you have to deal with in, in, beyond a normal ticket requests and sponsors and trying and all the shit that that goes on parties and and it's just media everything is almost a distraction so it's almost is these guys the focus for this week has to be next i mean i mean next level i mean next level and you don't want any internal distractions outside distractions you're not gonna be able to control the attention that the game is getting, but internal distractions, you don't, you don't want that at all. And again, as far as 49ers with the practice field, like I said, this, this is inexcusable for the NFL, which is a $25 billion or corporation for this to be happening. Like we should not be talking about uh, a team having a shitty practice field. That shouldn't, it just should not be the case. Uh, and, you know, typical NFL, Goodell tries to deny it basically. And, you know, there's, you know, the field is up to par and clearly it's not up to par. The team, the team, the team San Francisco is like, no, this, this is not, this field is not good. Like, we're not like it, you know, we don't, so. Typical Super Bowl shit, uh, somebody doing something stupid and something NFL related that the NFL does to it, uh, to itself to embarrass itself. So, you know, that's, that's part of the course, uh, for you know a Super Bowl week, we'll talk more about the game uh, over the course of this program. But we're going to begin with some themes of the program of the podcast, the Black Eagle and Super Bowl week. Um, we'll get immediately into the deep dive. Of course, last week, late last week, uh, radio and activists um, lost a legendary figure in Joe. Madison, Joe Madison, of course, who was a longtime veteran radio personality, but more importantly, he was an, a longtime activist who whose work went beyond what he did on the airways. Uh, Joe Madison, you know, had stops in Detroit, uh, Philadelphia, and ended up in Washington. And um, me, myself, working at Sirius XM. Uh, close now 15 years in dc i literally would walk past his studio probably thousands of times over the course of my uh, tenure at, at sirius xm bill Masson, of course became he was a syndicated per- radio personality for close to 17 years started thinking he started at sirius xm in 2007 um so better part of 16 17 years had his own wing as far as studio and you and had, which had limited access so just anybody could not, it wasn't just anybody who can get in there get into that that studio and listen we're talking about someone you know when you reach syndication and radio that's like the final frontier it's like my star wars fanatics like becoming a jedi like it is like the highest level of radio you can reach when you become when your show is syndicated there are a lot of people who can become highly successful radio personalities uh, across the country who don't become syndic who don't get syndicated. So you're big time when you reach that level as far as the numbers, as far as the impact. Joe Madison was different because Joe Madison never compromised his integrity for clicks, for ratings, spoke truth to power. He was about something that was bigger than him and he was about being he was about 
impacting culture, impacting communities, impacting people, people in a real way. As somebody who late in his life, he died at the age of 74, late in his life, not within the last three years, two years, went on a hunger strike, lost like 30 pounds. And this is as he's battling cancer. Okay. Um, we're talking about someone who would go over to the Sudan for protests and, and various things, it, marching civil rights. He was about that life in terms of these, uh, in terms of, we talk about real activism. Like he was in these streets, like for real. Like for real, he was in these streets as far as activists and trying to make life better for others. Sure, he made, I'm sure, a ton of money off when you off radio. When you reach the level of syndication, you're gonna make a lot of money. But it wasn't. It was not about the money. Trust me. When regard when it came to Joe Madison, um, and he's one of the few play one of the few radio personalities that didn't that you know, reach a certain level without compromising who they are a cop or chasing the chasing the bag. And he's one of the last, like one of the last, uh, was one of the last of the real, real radio people. He was not a, this guy was not a classically trained broadcaster, a classically trained journalist. He was an activist who just did radio at a very, very, very high level. And he took no shit from no one. It was his show. He ran it as he saw fit. He didn't let callers dictate and ramble and no, 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 no. That that wasn't happening. You came on the Joe Madison show. You better come correct, or you just you would get embarrassed. Period. Now he did not let callers dictate. Um, his his program just it just didn't happen, and he. I mean, <laughs> I've heard clips. I'll play a clip on. I'll put a clip on the podcast where he just eviscerated this caller, this racist caller who's clearly clearly was a racist, and just. Uh, I again, I'll put the clip will come on before this segment starts, so I'll make sure to have uh have the clip of this on there. It was hilarious. I listened to it um, like 10 times when I first heard it. It's, it's like a minute, if that, maybe a little over a minute, but it was it just, this guy was in control of his show. And I got, again, in 2024, there are not too many radio people, personalities like this, who tell the truth, don't compromise their integrity, who's on, who are not chasing the bag, who are not about likes and clicks, and about clout chasing that that is a rare rare thing right now and in the last decade or so i mean you know tom joiner has retired you saw russ parr move on uh you saw you know donnie simpson kind of move on i don't think donnie simpson retired retired though that he just moved on from that uh from the station so there it is a new generation of radio personalities um, that are you know that are either here or upcoming, and you know again, Joe Masson was one of the last of of the real, real radio personalities who didn't care about again, did not care about 
popularity. It wasn't sure. I mean, everybody wants to get ratings. If you're in that business, you you only become syndicated if you've gotten ratings. So he clearly was somebody that was getting great ratings, but it wasn't at the it wasn't at the behest of his of, of his integrity. It wasn't out there jumping outside of his skin trying to be something that he wasn't. Um, he was somebody who, and he said. You know, someone, he said, someone once told him to be successful, you got to be original, authentic, and daring. And he was more activist than he was a journalist, period. Like, that's, that's all there is to it. And he, you know, like I said, you talk about speaking truth to power. It's one thing to say it, but to actually live it is another thing. Clearly, clearly um, was the radio... Ended up in the Radio Hall of Fame, I believe, in 2019. Uh, and again, you're talking about a guy who just, you know, was not afraid to call you out, was not afraid to ask tough questions as an interviewer, um, and really looked out for other, you know, other blacks in in in, in the radio space. He tells a story once about. You know, a station wanted to hire him, but said that he was not going to take the job if he was if it was at the if it, if it cost another black. He was not going to replace another black person, another black another black person. He said he, he just wouldn't take the job. So you're not, yeah. I would love the job, but not at the not at the sacrifice of a uh, at the expense of another uh, black person in, in radio. And remember, when he comes along. And it, this had been like I, you know, because I, I initially in my career, early in my broadcast career, per se, before podcasts came along, I wanted to be a sports talk radio host. And you looked around the country, there's not that many brothers <laughs> in radio on major, on in major markets. They're just, you know, you, they would have, we would be, producers and uh, board ops and have those type of positions, but not on air. In terms of on-air talent, it just was not that many blacks. It's all, it's, it, which, you know, we 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 all know what the reason what that for that was. Uh, used to, I used to hear excuses why, well, the pool of candidates is not that great and so on and so on. Well, why isn't the pool of candidates not that big? There's enough talent out here in terms of personalities and things of that nature. And you've seen over the course between podcasting and like YouTube, how much talented, how much talent that's out there as far as content creators. So it, it, so it had to get to a situation where people didn't, didn't have to depend on a program director hiring them or somebody hiring them to be on air where you can basically, you know, like myself can have your own, um, platform, create your own podcast, and put it out there. So when he comes along, it was you know few and far between as far as black lead radio hosts, uh, let alone getting to the level of syndication. Um, at that, uh, which he of course got to. So really, a a, a groundbreaking one of the ground groundbreaking pine of radio. And uh, one of the, one of the just more authentic radio personalities of this era, and certainly he surely will uh, be missed. Um, 
not so more for the work he did off the radio than even on the air. We're going to transition to Super Bowl 58. Um, a very which should be an excellent game. Very unique um, quarterback matchup when, in terms of Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes Jr. versus Brock Purdy. We're talking about, you know, we know what Mahomes is. I mean, Mahomes is playing for legacy. He's playing for history, trying to go back to back, trying to get closer and closer to um, being amongst the, all the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He'll go up and another notch. And I think I think if it, it was on the line for Mahomes in this game is I think if he wins this game, I I have to put him probably second all time behind Tom Brady. I think this will put him over Montana. I know Montana has one more Super Bowl, but Mahomes going winning back to back the six straight conference championships appearances, which is ridiculous. He would have what a fifteen to three playoff record. Um, I probably and, and just physically, he's just a better you know in terms of arm strength and things of that nature. He's just physically a better player than Joe Montana. Joe Montana now again, I'm a Montana fan. I understand undefeated. You know, Montana also had an excellent postseason record. I think Montana was 16 and 7, 4 and more importantly, 4 and 0 in the Super Bowl with no interceptions. I get it. Montana was probably, you know, got to say the, the greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time. But totality and the fact that he would have done it with a team that is not, at least from an offensive standpoint, the most talented team that. The most talented, the most talented team that Kansas City's had defensively. We know how good they are, but offensively, we know that Kansas City. This is this will be the worst offense that he's at that he's played with. So you had that for uh, Mahomes in terms of Brock Purdy. He's playing, still playing for respect. This is despite the fact that if you look at his credentials, uh, including the postseason, he's twenty-one and five, right? Seventeen and four in the regular season, four and one in the playoffs. His only loss came. In a game where he didn't finish because of the, uh, because of the uh, injury, um, because of uh, because of the injury last year, because he knocked out of the Eagles game last year, uh, early in, uh, in the first quarter. So four and one in the playoffs, twenty one and five overall. We're talking about he's going to finish in the top five MVP candidate MVP, and he's going to finish as a top five MVP this year without question. Uh, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league statistically in terms of rating touchdown passes over the course of the year of this season. But yet, you know, gets called a game manager by Cam Newton. She, he wasn't the only person questioning Purdy uh, as he took a lot, took some hits when uh, when, you, when they had some injuries in, like in the mid, you know, middle in that October range where they lost three straight. You know, he can't win without weapons and so on and so on. He's all he's done in the playoffs again is come up big when he played well when he's had to play well. Has he been great in the playoffs? No, but he's made plays when he, when they've had to be made. And the bottom line is this was a guy who again was Mr. Uh, you know, irrelevant. He wasn't he's not even supposed to be here. So two different quarterbacks with two different types of of pressure on them. Um, probably more pressure on San Francisco to win this game. 
considering, you know, decisions that they're going to have to make because Purdy is going to get paid. It's a matter of how much. He's going to get paid like a franchise quarterback. Well, he's going to exceed the highest paid quarterback in the league. No, even if he wins the Super Bowl, but he's going to be paid like, you know, he'll get paid like a top five quarterback, right? He's going to get that type of money. Like they will pay. He's going to get, without question, he's going to get paid. So this game takes on extreme significant importance for San Francisco moving forward because once he does get paid, they're going to start losing some of that talent. And we've seen this movie before with quarterbacks. Once quarterbacks reach this level, as far as either getting to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, this is absolute perfect timing for them because he's about he he is about to really he's about to cash in. So the game probably moving forward for the future in terms of the future of the franchise is probably more important for San Francisco than it is with Kansas City. Kansas City is a ongoing dynasty that is not going anywhere anytime soon. And, and they they have a young defense. They have the best quarterback and the best coach in the NFL. They will be, they will without question be back multiple times in the next four in the next five to seven years without question. Like I don't have no doubt if, if Mahomes is healthy and Andy Reid is still coaching, I have no doubts that just we like I said we're in the middle of a dynasty with with with, with Kansas City. But again with San Francisco, a little bit different. Because they've been on borrowed time with their quarterback situation, with their quarterback not eating into that salary cap, that dynamic will change after the after this season, after uh, Sunday evening. So again, it's kind of legacy versus respect when you compare uh, Mahomes um, to Purdy. And again, it's going to be it's going to come into this, into this game. This will be considered a quarterback mismatch. So Purdy again will you know have to prove himself uh, that he can play at the highest level of levels against one of the greatest of all time in Patrick Mahomes. Who won the week? Uh, with no with no NFL, I went NBA. Um, the New York Knicks have been one of the best stories. Of this, uh, of the basketball season, of this basketball season, without question. Um, their luck, they are, of course, they have things have changed once they made the trade and became even a much better, even a much better defensive team. Um, getting rid of RJ Barrett, who never actually, who never really fit in ever since he was drafted. Um, Jalen Brunson has played like an all NBA guard. He should have started also, he should have, he should have been the lead guard. Um, he should have been starting the All-Star game, frankly, over Damian Lillard. But, you know, fans are like, you know, fans and, you know, you know, fans kind of messed that up. Um, listen, the Knicks had been a laughing stock for the better part of 20 plus years. The Nick culture right now, how they're conducting business right now is great. It's smart they have not made a a rush trade they haven't chased you know fool's goal with some of the players that they've gone after they've kind of done small moves smart moves getting rid of you know Porzingis you know pay dividends you get Julius Randle you get Jalen Brunson um you get Josh Hart they got some nice role players, some good pieces, good chemistry. 
And despite what Nick fans may may think, you know, you gotta give Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau credit. Cannot have it both ways with Thibodeau, right? Team's not playing well. Can't well. Tibbs is not doing this. Well, the bottom line is the team, frankly, has either overachieved or formed at a high level three of the last four years. Twenty one, they lose the Hawks. They lose to the Hawks. Uh, a Hawks team, they ended up getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and took the Bucks to six games, the team that, of course, won the championship. This year, last year, they get to the Eastern Conference Semifinals. No one had the Knicks getting to the Eastern Conference Semifinals last year. Everybody thought, you know, a lot, a lot of people thought Cleveland was going to win that series. They took out Cleveland and lose to a Miami team They ended up getting to the Finals. And now this year, they have a legit chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's no team, if you're a Knicks fan, that should buy, that you that should scare you outside of Boston. And you, know, you wouldn't face Boston anyways, probably till you know, well, they could probably play, face, depending on where they're seated, play Boston. And, well, right now, as it stands right now, I mean, they're the second seed. They finish in a top three seed. They won't play Boston to the conference finals. So you want to finish Boston right now as the best record in the league, best record in the conference. You know, you don't want to be four in that four or five spot where you have to play Boston in the second round. So right now, you know, two, three, or, you know, that two, three spot would be ideal for them to avoid Boston and possibly get to a conference finals. I mean, Milwaukee doesn't, doesn't scare anybody right now, especially with Doc Rivers coaching them. You have uh, Philadelphia is in shambles with no Embiid. Who knows when he's going to get back? So the East is a little bit open right now, to be perfectly honest with you. A little bit open. And it's not out of the possibility that the Knicks could get to the final, get to the conference finals. And again, if I'm the Knicks, I don't make a trade. To be honest with you, I don't make unless unless you're telling me the player I can get is it can have me uh, in the in the finals or gives me a chance to win a championship. Then no, uh, you know they might make a small. I can we can make a small move. You know, another guy off the bench, another shooter, something like that. But I'm not. There are moves that there's nothing out there that's worth them shaking this chem affecting this chemistry to chase, you know, chase fool's goal. Continue to be patient. You still have a bunch of draft capital. And, you know, again, who knows? Like, LeBron James might opt out of his contract after this year and be a free agent. Like, LeBron's in New York is not crazy. It really is not. Because we all know LeBron is obsessed with being the GOAT. You go to, you win in Cleveland. You go back home to win in Cleveland. You win the first championship in that little in LA, though it was in the bubble in, in a decade, post you know, post Kobe. You win a championship in New York with the Knicks. In New York with the Knicks, who were who were a laughing one of the laughing stocks of in all the sports, let alone just the NBA. Like that, that is yeah, the GOAT conversation with very interesting if he came to New York and won a championship. And by the way, it is not out of the realms of possibility that 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 that, that could happen. Don't be surprised. LeBron 
LeBron wants another championship in the worst way. Trust me. Don't think that LeBron, he wants another, another chip. He wants another chip. So, I think if you're a Knicks, you're patient. You continue to the, you continue to make your culture an attractive uh, place for for free agents or for stars who who eventually are going to end up becoming unhappy because we get two or three of those a year seemingly in the NBA. And you know you go about your business like they again they have a legit chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They defend, they rebound, they have a fearless point guard. Now again, I don't think they can get to a get to winning a championship right now. I don't think they can even get to the finals in terms of beating Boston. But they again, they have a lot of things going for them. They don't have to force they're in a position where they don't have to force anything. They're still the team is still relatively young. They have a nice set of, of veterans, you know, of kind of middle veterans like Josh Hart, Adanobi, those guys. And they play hard every night. They play hard every night. They play uh they unselfish. They play for each other. Now again, we understand that Randall is still you still have an issue of Randall being your second best player. And as long as Julius Randall is your second best player, then you're not in really in the championship conversation. He can't be your second. Julius Randall cannot be your second best player. Ideally, you want him to be Brunson number two, Julius Randall number three, and get that legitimate number one. Those guys, of course, we know how hard those guys are to find. So We'll see what happens with the Knicks. I, again, I don't expect them to make a deal. Nothing was surprising, but I don't expect them to go out there and make a game-changing type deal to try to um, – unless that guy is going to bring them a title, and there's nobody out there like that right now. And forget about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is not there's – no, there's zero chance, less than zero chance that the Miami Heat would trade Jimmy Butler. Like the Miami Heat still think that they can compete, that they can compete for, for a – Eastern Conference and possibly NBA championship. And they're they're probably trying to make a move. So they're not gonna help out the Knicks by trade what trading their best player. <laughs> what are we talking about here? There's that's zero chance of that happen. I mean zero, zero chance of that happen. Miami Miami basically has the same record now as they did last year at this time. They're postseason, they're built for the postseason. They'll do what they do to, to get into the playoffs. And, you know, and they'll be scared the hell out of, out of Boston or Milwaukee or whoever they play in the first round, if not beat them. Uh, before we get to um, the Super Bowl, our Super Bowl preview and go around the NBA a little bit, um, obviously the big story is Joel Embiid going down again. He was diagnosed with a displaced flap of his meniscus in his left knee. Had you know he has a surgery, he's going to be get reevaluated after four weeks. Who knows when Embiid comes back? Like I can see a scenario where he'll be back before the playoffs. Possibly, I can see a scenario where he misses the rest of the of the rest of the season, including the playoffs. All of it is on the table. Um, this guy just can't catch a break. 
I mean, he literally was playing some of the best best bat basketball you've seen a player in the regular season play uh, in years. Um, you're talking about having a season, a historic season, where he's basically averaging 36, 11, and 5 on just insane, on efficient shooting, doing what he does, still dominant defensively. And I really thought the Sixers were one, not even big move, but one small move away from possibly being able to get out of the East uh, and take out Boston and possibly win the NBA championship. Yeah, that's how well NBA was playing. Like, they get one more piece, one more piece that they could do some serious damage, especially with the fact that you still really can't completely trust Boston. Boston on paper has the best team in probably in the league on paper, um, but they they can't be trusted. They they just can't. I've seen Boston with three point shots, late game situations in the fourth quarter. I I don't. I, this is something about Boston that just doesn't sit sit with me in a, in big spots. So the East is out there that we had. Milwaukee, I would never count Miami out. Um, I don't think the Knicks can win the East. I'm not going to go that far with them. But uh, there are a number of teams that can get to, at worst, the Eastern Conference Finals. But again, getting back to the Sixers and Embiid, this is why if you're the Sixers, you have to treat every year moving forward with if it was Embiid as if it was going to be his last year of his career. You have to go for it every year. You have to be like the Rams were. When the Rams were like, you know what, fuck them picks. That's how you have to do if you're the Sixers, if you're the 76ers moving forward. You have to go all in every single year, every single offseason, every single trade deadline. You should be thinking championship, championship, championship. You cannot treat MB like a regular, you know, how is he, 30? You can't, like, he, no. It can go at any time with the MB as far as, as these injuries. These injuries have that, that are, frankly, starting to pile up. And this is a guy who missed, remember, he misses the first, basically his first couple seasons in the league uh, because of injuries. So you have to treat the you have to treat Embiid and this is his situation as if, again, as if he is, you know, uh, as if this is like a and the NFL is basically your year in and year out. There's no three to five year plan. There has to be a level of urgency within that organization to win now, like right now, year in and year out. Because, you know, Embiid, like I said, Embiid, he's has, he has had a share of these injuries now. They keep piling up. He's ne- he really has never had a a year where he didn't finish with some type of injury, even in the playoffs, even when he played. So they, the Sixers are going to treat their off-seasons, treat these trade deadlines as if, they be, as if they're the ultimate win now team, period. They got to kind of act like the Lakers. Because even at 39, LeBron is probably in, I know, is in better physical 
physical condition in terms of his uh his with his body than that beat is. And again, I listen, I don't know that, listen, these injuries can happen, especially with big men and and, and the guy, you know, MB is what, seven one, two eighty. And you know, he just had his uh, his just has had a litany of injuries and it doesn't seem like I don't see as he gets older these injuries all of a sudden start to go away. We're gonna get to our Super Bowl prediction. Um listen, learned my lesson with Kansas City. Against Kansas City in the Buffalo game. Uh, you look at these teams. This this game should be a very close game. Like I expect it to be close. Uh, I think, you know, Kansas City, 13 of Kansas City's 20 games this year were decided by one score. San Francisco only had five games, five games decided by one score. And I didn't even count the second round game because none, nobody's players played. Um, Kansas City is very comfortable in a close game. They have a, one of the top kickers in the league. Of course, we know what Mahomes brings, and they have a excellent defense. And that's where I think that will be the difference in this game. Uh, San Francisco defensively ranked twenty ranked twenty fourth on third downs, sixteenth, which is middle of the pack as far as red zone defense compared to Kansas City's defense ranking tenth. Against uh, against opponents third down conversions and eighth in red zone defense. So you chances are you might move the ball against Kansas City, but you're going to end up kicking a field goal. And not one game this year has Kansas City's defense given given up more than has given have uh, has given up thirty points. The most points that defense has given up is I believe twenty four. Now it's the Buffalo, and uh, it was another game. Denver, the Broncos scored twenty four, and it's just that wacky Thursday night game when it looked like, you know, it was just a just a strange game uh, that Kansas City played. They had beaten Denver earlier, like, played Denver like twice in three weeks. Uh, and they played, it came out flat as a pancake and lost 24-9. Their defense has not given up more than 24 points in any game this season. So, ultimately, I'm going to go with the team that has the best coach, the best quarterback, the defense that's playing the best, and a better kicker. And again, I think will be, will be absolutely be close. And I say Kansas City will win this. I would say has this has 24-21 kind of written all over it. But maybe 27-24. Might be more points than what we than what we think. San Francisco, has, San Francisco has a great offense, but again, their defense has been very suspect over the last month. Uh, both Detroit and Green Bay were able to move the ball against San Francisco's defense and left points on the board. Both those teams, both those teams, left, left a lot of points on the board. Again, I think we're in the midst of. Kansas City's dynasty. I think they will end up going back to back. And you'll still you'll certainly hear 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 goat talk as far as Mahomes versus Brady, which I which is just not a fair comparison right now. I mean Mahomes is great. He's an all time great. Brady has seven rings. Like one right now as right now, one has two. The other one other one has seven. And I, I don't care about 
like like stats don't mean nothing to me as far as in NFL stats, passing yards, touchdowns as comparisons to Super Bowl rings and winning playoff games. So, yeah, Mahomes eventually will pass Brady as far as numbers and stats. But again, until you get rings, it doesn't matter. Like for years, I mean, Montana was passed by a number of quarterbacks in terms of numbers and stats, especially Brady and Peyton Manning. You know what he had? He had four chips with no defeats. And I forever kept him at either one, at number one, until Brady got to a point to where it was just like, yeah, he has how many Super Bowls? Five, six, and seven. When he got to six, it was like, ah, you know, this is not an argument anymore. It's Brady when he got to six. I think his sixth one was against the Rams, that 13-3 to game. Yeah, it wasn't even debatable anymore once Brady got to six. Five, I can say, hey, he took a couple losses to – he has five, but he did lose to Eli Manning twice and lost it in, you know, I think his, his fifth one was, was before the Nick Foles loss. Was this? So he won four ones against Seattle. The fifth one was uh, – I think his fifth one was Atlanta. Yeah, that was the fifth one. Yes, fifth one was Atlanta. But up until that point, you know, when he has his fifth, his fifth ones against Atlanta, but he, he had, remember, he lost to Eli twice and was about to lose to Nick Foles. So... Let's hold, you know, you can, we, we need to hold off on the go talk. I'll just, you know, just wait. Let Mahomes at least get four or five before, before we seriously enter, um, enter, talk, discuss that conversation. But again, I, I think that, you know, looking at it, looking at this game, I, I just think that I, Kansas City has too many things in their favor. Like, they, you know, they know how to win. Uh, we know they know how to win. Again, let's, you know, San Francisco has a few guys that were on that team. That was on that team a couple of years ago. Uh, Brock Purdy was not on that team. It wasn't in that game. I, I just get a sense that, you know, your first time there, that's, you know, things could get a little tight. Uh, your first time there versus a quarterback who now, you know, Mahomes is, you know, now is going to be what, his fourth uh, Super Bowl appearance. Which is ridiculous. Before you know, four appearances before the age of, you know, basically before the age of twenty nine, at the age of by the age of twenty eight. So again, I think Kansas City wins a close game. I think they love they love close games. San Francisco not so much in terms of winning close games. Most of their wins were just were were just ass whoopings. But I think San Francisco, you know, will be able to stay in this game. It's not going to be a blowout by any stretch of imagination. I, I'd be shocked. If this game wasn't a one possession game in the fourth quarter, shocked, completely shocked. As far as real thoughts, got a few real thoughts on the Grammys, which I've never really given a shit about in the last for the past twenty years. Like I've not watched the Grammy show since Outkast won for best album with the Love Below and Speaker Box in in two thousand four. That's the last Grammys I've watched. So that was like what? That's twenty years ago. Um. Let me begin with Jay Z. Let me begin with Jay Z. Um, Jay Z comes on with Blue Ivy, 
Uh, he wins a, a Dr. Dre Global Icon Award, some shit. It's, it's some award that just came about in the last couple of years. It, it just, to me, they, they gave the award just so they can get Jay-Z to the Grammys. That, <laughs> it's just one of those awards, like, all right, whatever. Jay-Z needs another Grammy. Like, he has, what, 24 of his own. Um, so he accepts that award. Then he goes into this speech where I think he was trying to be controversial and respectful at the same time. Um, says, you know, in verbatim, how far we've come since the Grammys were not televised in 1989 when Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff uh, um, did a boycott. He doesn't, Jay-Z does a boycott in 99 because DMX wasn't nominated best rap album after having two number one albums and he does a boycott from that standpoint he didn't come but and then he says so this is how it says how far we've come well killer mike won three grammys uh swept the swept all the rap categories and neither none of them were tw- none of them but none of them were televised so how far have we really gone from that standpoint as far as how the Grammys treat uh, treats hip hop, hip hop. Keep this in mind. Since nineteen ninety eight, it's twenty. That's coming up on twenty six years ago. Three Bruno Mars in twenty eighteen, Outkast in two thousand four, Lauren Hill in ninety nine. Those are your three hip hop awards and. You know Bruno Mars and hip hop. I can basically. I might can let let me take him out of it. So basically, just Outkast and Lauryn Hill. So basically, two in the last twenty six years. One black woman in the last twenty six years. And then you know he says the second part of of it of his you know speech. We love y'all. We love y'all. But we just want y'all to get it right. And the direct quote was, I'm just saying, we want y'all to get it right. We love y'all, but we but we want y'all to get it right. At least get it get it close to right. Then he goes into the just in life. We gotta show up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Forget about the Grammys. You gotta keep showing up until they give you all those accolades you feel you deserve until they call you champion, until they call you a genius, until they call you the greatest of all time. Feel me? And then that was it. So, and then, of course, he talked about Beyonce, uh, called them out for not giving Beyonce one album of the year on a night where Taylor Swift won her fourth album of the, of the year, which is just... Uh, again, this, I understand Taylor Swift is one of the biggest things in music right now, and the numbers are the numbers. But four albums a year, four albums of the year in fourteen years, really? Think about that. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing: Jay Z was was applauded a lot for this speech. I think the speech was bullshit, and I'll tell you why it was bullshit. First of all, you're Jay Z, right? You won 24 Grammys. So, yeah, you kept you. The problem is you keep showing up to the Grammys expecting a different result. Your liberator, your liberator can't will not your oppressor will not will never be a liberator. 
Grammys have constantly showed that they don't give a shit about hip-hop culture. The Oscars, the same thing in terms of black actors. So I don't understand the need to want the validation of the Grammy Awards. The end part of Jay-Z's speech was very troubling from a standpoint of just it just was seeking validation upon validation. Like expecting something from someone. Like look, I mean, look what he says. Look what he says. Until they call you a genius, until they call you the greatest of fun to all time. Until they until they give you the accolades you feel you deserve. Again, I I've always felt this about NBA players in regards to if if the if the top of the top took wanted to start their own league with the amount of capital that they generate in terms of revenue all over the world, they could do it if they were organized enough. Easily to me. In music, there's no it's, it's way be way easier for 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 the top musicians in hip hop to, to to start and have their own awards. Even very easy, very easy. It wouldn't take anything for that for that to happen. So, again, I don't understand why these why the Grammys. Why hip hop continuously shows up for the Grammys when the Grammys continuously shows hip hop their ass or the back of their hand? Um, I guess it's just a mindset that's been entrenched to feel like you know to feel like you know white ice is colder. Like that's I mean that's I mean that's all I can like that's all I can say about it. Like you. You easily hip hop and hip hop culture can easily do their own thing as far as these award shows. Easily do their own thing and get sponsors and get and, and put and get put money behind it. But just they, you know, just want to wait for the Grammys to change, which which the Grammys will never change. The Grammy, like the Grammys have the the Grammys. Like I said, the Grammys are the Grammys. The Grammys have told you we don't give throughout the course of the history of, of music that we don't give a shit about hip hop in regards to, like they've shown you that. I mean, think about like like Taylor Swift has won four albums of the years, four albums of the years in fourteen years, and we have a situation where during that time you've had Kanye West. With brilliant with great music you've had Kendrick Lamar Pimple, but Pimple Butterfly was one of the best albums of the decade in the 2010s you had I mean think about how much talent that you've had you know Beyonce um even this year SZA that album was ridiculous <laughs> that came out in 2022 like, like so there's been a, a boatload of talent that has come out in the last decade or so in the last 14, 15 years that have don't have shit to show for it in regards to album album of the year. 
but yet we keep depending on thinking that it's going to change. And again, Jay-Z, again, Jay-Z has collected 24 Grammys. It's won 24 Grammys. Like, if you really want to send a message, boycott the boycott the awards. Don't go. Like, Jay-Z doesn't need a, like, Jay-Z does not need the Grammys. He doesn't. He's a billionaire. He's one of the greatest rappers of all time. He's one of the most important musicians in the history of music, period. Not just hip-hop, just in period in, in all of music in the 21st century, for that matter, or ever, for that matter. But again, you got to remember who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy who told us we're past kneeling. You're dealing with a guy who is in cahoots with the NFL, with the halftime show. So, again, Jay-Z's move last night was not about the culture or defending the culture. It was about Jay-Z and Beyonce. That's what it was about. It was completely self-serving. Completely self-serving for the note, for the, you know, the Carters. That's what it was about. It served the Carters. Let me tell you that my daughter has her own Grammys. Let me tell you that my wife deserves, you know, albums, album uh, deserves, deserves to uh, have at least one album of the year. And make it seem like I'm really saying something deep and profound. It wasn't. And I wasn't fooled by it. At all. So that was that from that standpoint. As far as the Killer Mike situation goes, uh, some new stuff came out today that says that he allegedly pushed a lady security guard when he was trying to go around her after she asked him for his ticket. First of all, if he pushed, put hands on a lady, you can't, if, if this is true, and again, this is allegedly, if this is true, then he's dead wrong. Like, you can't, like, that's how, you can't operate like that. You can't put your hands on a woman. In any shape, way, in any shape, way, or form, if that's true. Do you think Taylor Swift needed a ticket to the Grammys? That's the that, that's the thing I thought about too. Like, what a ticket? This is a guy who's nominated for three Grammys, who won three Grammys. Like, I think people should know who Killer Mike. If the Grammys should know who Killer Mike is, like, I don't. Why did he need a ticket? <laughs> What are we doing here? He's 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 one of the artists that is nominated. Like, like what a ticket! I've never heard no shit like that. I've never said I've never heard of anybody being arrested at the Grammys in like inside the building. I, I just, it's just I've never ever in any award show I've ever heard this. We've seen people get aside out get you know at an after party or the parking lot something like that. In like during the show, as the show is going on, in the place, uh, in the ven, the actual venue. Like I, I just, I've never seen no shit like this in my life. Now, again, I, I like to wait till things come out, and some things are starting to seep out. Uh, you know, when it first happened, you heard Mike say, you know, Killer Mike said that it was an overzealous security guard. So you had that part of the story. Now. Allegedly, the the young the lady has bruises uh, from him pushing her down on the ground and and what have you. He was arrested, so 
I don't know. Like I, I again, if he did put hands on it on the young lady, then he deserved to get arrested. It's just that simple. But who knows what happened without without video cameras? Which, by the way, there should be some like in 2024 in the crypto dot com arena Staples Center. There should be, if this happened, it should be on camera. Like that, that though, I'm waiting for that to come out as well. It definitely should be on camera in 2024. So we'll see what happens um, with that situation. But again, I was not fooled by the Jay Z that that whole that that speech at all, and neither should you have been fooled by it. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Have a great Wednesday morning or Wednesday or Wednesday all together and have a great rest of your week. I will see you next time. So long.